0: Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning, Oak City. Uh, Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, church. That's awesome. And I think we take that for granted sometimes. I think we think, oh, it's a really cute... Our kids get dressed up, they come on stage, but really it's amazing because we as a church and as parents, we're making a commitment to raising these kids, supporting these parents as we speak the gospel, and it really ties into my message today. Uh, It's really funny how God works with that because I didn't think originally I was going to talk about commitment, but we're going to focus on commitment a bit, but before I go there, I want to say thank you uh, for the opportunity. Jeff is on his first week of sabbatical. He's going to have some time and and prayer and rest, and it's well-earned, so uh, think of Jeff and, and pray for him during the next three months, and uh, it will fly by. Also, uh, my mother-in-law is here, and my wife, who's also a mom, so happy Mother's Day to you and all the other moms in the room, so let's, I wanted to make sure I got that shout out today, you know? <laughs> Can't miss that. If you would stand with me, what we've been doing the past year as a church is we've been reading scripture, and <clears throat> I will read it, it will be on the screen for you to follow along, And at the end of it, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, your response, as the church will be, thanks be to God. And we do this because we realize that the most important thing you'll hear today is God's word. It's not me, it's God speaking. So with that, if you have a Bible, it's Acts chapter 2, and verse 41 through 47 says this. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour of all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those are being saved. Let's pray real quick. Hey, God, we are so grateful for your word. We're grateful for the commitment that you have made to us, that you seek us, and you want to be in a relationship with us. And I pray, God, that you speak, that you silence me, and that your name is made known today, that you are glorified, and we hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated, just in case you, unless you want to stand, you can. <laughs> all right, so um, let me give you a quick recap. This is week three of our series in Acts. Jeff started in Acts chapter 1, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see the mission of the church, that we are to be witnesses through all the world, to the ends of the earth. So that was our first week. Last week, Jeff looked at really the anticipation that the disciples had to feel as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were waiting, and, and Jeff talked about really how the Holy Spirit waiting for it, and just waiting in general is hard, uh, how the Holy Spirit can be complicated, but how the Holy Spirit empowers us. And, and he left us with the question of, uh, as Christians, he said, are we taking the time to listen to the Holy Spirit? And, and Jeff said he would set a like a, an alarm clock and for 10 minutes for a timer just to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit. And are we doing that? So that's where Jeff le- left us, so it brings us up to today, and you know, it's funny, I've preached out of this passage a bit before, and I've read this many, many times, but what jumped out to me in a way that it hasn't before is in verse forty one it said, so he talks about they hear Peter's sermon, and it says about three thousand souls were added. And the word souls jumped out as never has jumped out to me before. And I think it's because the word souls is God made us in his image. He made man and woman, and he's given us a soul which is eternal. And as we think about that mission from Acts 1, where we're to go be witnesses of Jesus to share, it's not just to tell good news, it's the share of the soul with someone else's soul. It's a battle for souls. And there's so much weight and importance, just like that commitment we made as a church. There's a lot of weight to dedicating our kids, uh, supporting parents as they promise to raise and teach their kids in light of the gospel. So that word jumps out to me, and it really had me thinking and and led me to have four points. Normally I I have three, and my wife and other people make fun of me because I go one, two, three. So I'm doing four, so there's no thumb. Um, So four main points. The first one is this. We are made for fellowship. We are made for fellowship. The second point is fellowship requires commitment and devotion. And I'll probably interchange commitment and devotion, uh, but ultimately it's both. You need commitment and devotion. Point number three is commitment and devotion is difficult. And the last point is only Jesus empowers us to be faithful in the day-to-day. So those are our four points. That's the roadmap for where we're going to go today. So number one, we are made for fellowship. Now, the word fellowship, that's probably a really churchy word. Anybody here talk about use the word fellowship in their day-to-day? Probably not. Um, So I did a quick Google dictionary, and it says uh, fellowship is defined as a friendly association, especially of people who share one's interests. Now, the little geek in me, uh, when I thought of that, I thought of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, these nine guy, people come together for the purpose, the mission of destroying the one ring. It's a great movie. It's an even better book. Some of you guys are rolling your eyes like, Lord of what? Um, I'll digress. But fellowship is something that we do all the time, and we, don't, we take it for granted, probably. Right? If you work, you have fellowship with your coworkers. If you stay home with your kids, uh, you have fellowship with your kids, which can be tough, uh, that's why I go into the office. My wife is amazing, stays at home. You can have fellowship through the gym. You can have fellowship through activities, hobbies, sporting events. Your kids have fellowship in school. So I, I think we, we generally we all have fellowship, uh, but I don't think we we give it a lot of thought. And I, I want to take a moment to brag about my wife, Becky, and not just because it's Mother's Day, but it is nice to get that plug in. And Becky wakes up around 5 o'clock every morning to go join a group at the YMCA and work out. And then she comes home and cares for our three kids and homeschools our oldest. And what's amazing about it, we were talking, and she goes, well, what she likes about being, you know, her commitment to these people is that there's fellowship in this group that works out. And I was like, I think you're crazy getting up at 5 a.m. for fellowship. That's just me, but she's amazing. What's am- but it's no accident that over the past couple of years, and it's even been recognized as a bigger issue during COVID, is that we are living in a loneliness epidemic. A lot of us rely on social media, we think we're connected, but we're not. So here's some stats I wanna share with you. Cigna has done some studies and one of them found that 61% of Americans state that they are lonely, 61%. Listen to this one, it says that 54% of Americans said that they were sometimes or always feeling lonely within the past year. We long for fellowship, we need it. There's an article where the author goes on and she says that loneliness has been alleged to have the same impact on our life expectancy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In addition, a lack of social contact can hasten cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, heart disease, depression, and suicide. See, God made us for relationship, for fellowship. The author of that same article, this is what she writes. She moved to New York, and she says this. I had some casual friendships, but I didn't feel like anyone really understood who I was. They didn't understand, didn't know what I was struggling with. They weren't offering to support me in any way. I was feeling lonely. And it wasn't because I wasn't meeting enough people. It was because I wasn't in spaces that prioritized deep connection. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And I think COVID exposed that. We are made to be in a relationship with God. And what the beautiful thing about that relationship, that fellowship, is he doesn't have us stay with just him. He invites us to share that with others. We are called to take that relationship and share that with people. When you look in the very beginning, and often I'm gonna reference this later on in Genesis, when God made man and woman in his image, he said, he made Adam first, he made man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he formed woman he knew that men and woman needed to be in relationship but not with just each other but with him we are made for fellowship with jesus but that fellowship requires our commitment and devotion so that going back to that quote from that the author i just had up uh, of that article she was talking about being lonely she knew that she needed something deeper but that requires there's a commitment you know, as I mentioned, um, Becky wakes up at 5 a.m. and there's fellowship, maybe not really deep, but there's some fellowship there. So I started, I wanted to find an article that talked about, man, we're really bad at commitments. We used to be really good and now we're, we're worse. I think we've always been bad at commitments. I think we overcommit often. And I think often our commitments are very superficial. And the help uh, I'm not going to sing this song to you, but I did find a song. It's uh, Devoted to You by the Everly Brothers, and I'm going to read a course for you. Uh, it was done by a lot of other groups, so if you look up the song Devoted to You, you can find it. But 1959, the Everly Brothers wrote this. I will never hurt you. I'll never lie. I'll never be untrue. I'll never give you a reason to cry. I would be unhappy if you were blue. Through the years, my love will grow. Like a river, it will flow. It can't die because I'm so devoted to you. I read those words and say, man, if that's the standard, I have failed miserably. (laughs) You can ask my wife. Don't, uh, but you can. Anybody here not tell a lie? All right, that's what I thought. Okay, good. Um, If that's commitment and devotion, I think we're all in trouble. We've all hurt people. We're all sinners. Earlier, as a church, we made a commitment to help these parents. I've, we've dedicated our children. We've made a commitment to them that we're going to teach them and raise them in the light of the gospel. You know, I, I talked a bit about Becky and her workout group, and I think a lot of us have other things that we've committed to and that we may probably start thinking. It's probably a lot. There's a lot of commitments. There's some big ones, right? There's, there's marriage. There's parenting. There's work. There's other commitments that you probably have in your life. I really just spilled my water. That's awesome. Uh, But I want to ask us, what are the things that we're really committed to? What in our life are we pouring our devotion into? What commitments have been made on your behalf, maybe without you agreeing to it? As you think about that, I want us to, to turn back to this passage in Acts. And what we see in verse 42 says this, And they... Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. Their devotion was to the word of God. And what's so amazing about this? In 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 and literally, I didn't realize this until today. I was driving in and listening to uh, the Bible app on my phone. And in Acts one verse fourteen, it says this. And all these, so these are all the disciples. They're together in a room. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and mary the mother of jesus and his brothers and then we get the verse 42 of acts 2 and it says and they devoted themselves so what happens the disciples realized from their walk with jesus that they had to devote they had to commit jesus committed to them he gave them the example and what's so amazing about this is they realize that they cannot do it alone for them to fulfill the mission of god to spread the be witnesses and messengers of Jesus throughout the whole world, they had to be in fellowship. They had to rely on prayer and teaching. They didn't have God's Word. What an advantage we have. They didn't have a nice Bible. They had the teaching, the letters that the disciples wrote to the churches. They encouraged them. So I want to point out another passage that's very similar, and I'm not going to geek out too much here, but uh, Philippians 2, so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We'll have it on the screen. And in the here's what's really cool about Philippians 2, and I'll just give you a little snippet. This is actually from the church that was formed in Acts chapter 16. We'll hear about that later on in this series, so I'm not going to steal any thunder there, but this church was formed from Acts 16. So here's what Paul is saying to them. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And here's the kickers. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you let us look not only to our own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which was yours in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the early church. We see this in Acts two, and we see it again in Philippians, that there are they are caring for those around them. They're looking to the interest. They start with devoting themselves to the teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the result is they look to the needs of others. And man, what a vision that should be for Oak City, but not just us, for the whole church. The the global church, our vision should be to look to others, to their needs, the caring for them, right? Because of the love of Jesus. But I have to say this, we can do all this. We can be fully committed. We can look to the needs of others, but if we do it without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, it means nothing. See, Jesus fully committed to us, and because of that, and we know how difficult it is to make commitments or to follow through, but because Jesus did it, we can commit, but without him, it means nothing, and it's so funny in my day-to-day, how often do I wake up and grab my phone, thinking I'm going to find some life or something that's going to give me, satisfy me, or give me value. Yet, I get so disappointed. Uh, I was talking to my oldest, it was his birthday yesterday, and he said he wanted a a lightsaber, and I was like, you already have two. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, but you can never have enough lightsabers. Um, So we started talking, I said, Josiah, so you have two. I said, did they make you happy? And he goes, well, yeah, for a little bit. I said, so what would another one do? He goes, "It it would make me happy for a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I would, wanted not it? And he goes, but then his response, and this is totally us, uh, but I'll find something else that will make me happy afterwards. And isn't that what we do? We think that our phones or something is going to lead us to, man, this is going to satisfy us. Whether it's a job or money or careers, we think it's going to be the ultimate. And then we experience it and we're let down. And that's why we see this example in, in God's word where we are to commit to the one that's going to sustain us, to Jesus, because he is fully committed to us. And I'll be honest, that commitment leads me to my third point, is commitment is difficult. And I want to I give you a really short story, and some of you, if you work in tech, you've probably heard this, uh, this story before, and it really talks about how commitment means the sacrifice, and which means it's going to benefit others and often not us. So there's a story about a chicken and a pig, And they saw a church sign that said, what can we do to help the poor? What can we do to help the poor? And they were thinking about it. And the chicken says, I know. We can serve them bacon and eggs. So the pig thinks about it and he goes, wait a second. There's a problem with that. See, for you, chicken, that only requires a little contribution. But for me, it's ultimate commitment. And that rings so true because that's the example that Jesus gave us. If we look in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8, says this. It says, Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count a quality of God, a thing to be grasped. But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, Jesus left his place with God, being equal, left heaven, to come down to his creation. Because he knew, back in the Garden of Eden, when we broke that fellowship, when, we, when God put up the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he said, you can do anything but that. But and God walked and talked with Adam and Eve daily. But that wasn't enough. They wanted to be God. So they ate. And I know I do the same thing. I want to be my own God, my own king. We want to be our own kings and queens. We don't want to rely on God. So we see this example in Philippians where Jesus, he humbled himself. He was a form of a servant. You think about how Jesus came to Earth. He was born no royalty, no wealth. He had no status, no power, no high education. His dad was a uh, heavenly, uh, earthly father, excuse me, was a carpenter. I mean, the lowest of lows. And if I'm writing the Bible, if I am God, I'm not sending my son down the earth that way. But Jesus chose to. Jesus chose to come as a servant for a rescue, knowing that we couldn't do it ourselves, that we could not do enough good to restore our relationship with God. C.S. Lewis says this in his quote. He says, In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being in the time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and the seabed of nature He has created. But He goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with Him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower, to get himself underneath some great complicated burden, and he must stoop in order to lift. He must also disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. What a picture that C.S. Lewis paints! Jesus humbles himself, takes on the form of a servant. And so when we read about in Acts 2 and in Philippians of the church caring for one another, having the same mind. In Acts 2 it says, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They did not do this. to say, hey God, look how good I am. Hey God, we're pretty good. We're going to take care of these poor. We're going to help the widow. We're going to help these orphans. They didn't do that from that standpoint. They did it because they were going off the model that, that Jesus did. right? Jesus who walked with his disciples for three years on earth, showed them what it meant to care for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. So when Christianity takes off, it's because, it wasn't because these people had power or status. It's because they were being radical. They were caring for the poor and the widows and the orphans. There was no government welfare set up to care for these people. So to see people give, selling their possessions and caring for one another was radical. And you can only do that, again, with Jesus who overcame sin, who overcame death, who was the example for them and for us. You know, we can make, like I made the argument earlier about the gym. We can go and work out and commit the people, but ultimately it's about us. Being there will help encourage someone to be there, but ultimately me working at the gym is about me making myself better. So that's why here at Oak City we have a really big emphasis on our home groups. And I've had the, the, really the honor and the privilege of the past couple of years to help lead our home groups. And I'm going to give you a little history on them. So about three years ago, we sat down with members from each different home group. We kind of took a, one or two people from every single home group, and we got together. And we had hours upon hours of meetings, uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion. We went, hey, are home groups good? Do they work? Do we keep them? Do we get rid of them? W- what works? What doesn't? What are the outcomes? What do we want to get out of our home groups? So as we worked through that, uh, and a special thanks to everyone that committed, but also to their families that la- allowed them to be gone for hours. Uh, usually, meetings for two hours, every, you know, it was a lot. And we came up with this amazing definition. We said a home group is a group of people committed to each other's spiritual growth. A group of people committed to each other's spiritual growth. And we pulled that, really, from these passages in Acts and Philippians, where we see the church committing to the needs of one another. If you are not in a home group, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, You can talk to me. You can email me, Dan, at Oak City Church. In the back, in in the lobby, there's a map with some some cards, some information. You go to our website, our app. We want to get you connected because we realize just the importance of your spiritual growth. Now, I'm going to be honest. There are nights that I don't want to go to the home group. I don't. And it's kind of a problem because we host home group. Um... But what's amazing is those are usually the nights where God does some amazing stuff. Where somebody comes in and they need to be poured into. They need encouragement or prayer. Or somebody says something that really just like, oh man, I needed that encouragement. The nights that we don't want to go are the nights where God does some pretty amazing stuff. And, and here at Oak City, our home groups, we have seen burdens shared. We have seen hardships transformed. We have seen lives changed. And it's not because of the groups, it's because Jesus is there. We sang earlier that Jesus, because you are here, we worship. Jesus is here today, and he longs to be in relationship and fellowship with us. What really leads to that, my, next, my fourth point, is that, and I mentioned earlier, we can do all these things, but if Jesus is not, the focus is not, they're not going to happen. If you look in Acts 2, it says this in verse 47, so they were praising God and having favor for all the people. And here's, and here's what God does. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Verse 41 talks about how after his sermon, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. I would love to preach a sermon and have 3,000 people be saved, but it's not about me. Right? And I think about Peter and how, like, man, that was amazing. You do this sermon, but then I had to remember all the, the hardships that Peter had to go through. The day the day, how Peter had to commit and recommit, how Peter would fail and God showed him grace and love. So Jesus knows we're going to fail in our commitments, but he still gives us grace upon grace. Peter, who gives up his career as a fisherman, he follows Jesus. He gives up everything. And so do the disciples. And they do it, again, not for their glory. But those opportunities, those daily commitments were God's way of being able to work in them and through them for his glory. So Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, and 25. He also says it in Luke. So he says it two different times. It was recorded twice. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever loo- would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And there's some version that will say that pick up our cross daily. So get this. In Roman times, the cross was seen as this terrifying object of torture, of suffering, and execution. If you were carrying a cross, you were on your way to be crucified. So just think how terrified the disciples had to be when Jesus says to pick up their cross. But what Jesus desires, desires of us is that we would daily seek to follow him, that we would daily commit to him. Jesus isn't calling us to simply believe that he existed, that he was a good person, or it's not enough to only believe that he can save us and stop there. Jesus calls us to commit our whole life to him, to trust him alone for our salvation, to follow him as his disciples, to partake in the mission of sharing the gospel, of being witnesses to the ends of the earth. When we pick up our cross daily, we are renewed by the blessings of Jesus. Every morning, when we are faithful to the ordinary, to the day by day, that is when God does radical things in us and through us. And I have to preach that to myself every single day. I need to be reminded to be faithful, not for me to get the gold star, but because Jesus is faithful to me. He committed to me. And that's really how only Jesus can empower us to be faithful, because only Jesus was the only one that was faithful in the day of the day. If you look with me up here, 2 Corinthians 7 uh, through 10 says this, 2 Corinthians 2, 7 through 10, excuse me. It says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body, in the body, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. That is the gospel, that Jesus chose to use us for his glory, that he chooses to use us to pull us into a relationship with him, in the fellowship with him, and to share that with others around us. Here at Oak City, we have some ways to help you commit, to help you grow in your spiritual walk. Home groups, as I already mentioned, is one way. Another is we have a Bible reading uh, plans through the U version on your phone. You can get the U version Bible app. Right now, we're just started. We're in week day eight of our Act series. We started May first. We're also doing a uh, Bible in two years. You can read along. You can post comments and questions. There's a bit of fellowship there. We'd love to have you join. Talk to us if, if that's the case. Oak City, we have a prayer team. I don't know if everybody knows that we have a, a group of people that are committing to praying for you and with you. This prayer team also loves to teach people how to pray. We'd love to get you connected there. Another great opportunity is we have the IF gathering. It's a, it's a women's gathering conference. It's coming up the 20th and 21st. If you haven't signed up, please see Rebecca Hall. She's in the back. She's waving her hand. Um, women, this is an awesome opportunity for you to have fellowship. Men, help encourage the women in your life to go. If it's kids or money, whatever it is, let us know. We can help. But b- This is an awesome opportunity for the women to, again, to commit to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and prayer. This is an amazing opportunity. Don't miss out. As a church, we do these because we know the importance of fellowship. We know the importance of the teaching, the importance of prayer, and the importance of breaking bread. So I'm going to close with this. Um, If if this is the first time you've heard the gospel, if you heard the good news that Jesus knows you, he loves you, any he desires to be in a relationship, if you don't, maybe you've, you know it with your head, and you've gone through the motions, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, today's the day. Please don't miss that opportunity. Tell, my, tell me, uh, John, in the back, talk to somebody. Tell the person that brought you or sitting next to you. We want to encourage you, if you are not a follower of Jesus, he longs to be in a relationship. He made you for a relationship. Oak City, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, fellowship is made only possible by Jesus. We long for fellowship. And I know it's, it's, there's a lot of commitments. They're tough. They're difficult. But Jesus will empower us. He longs for us to commit fully to him. He's the one that will sustain us. He, he's the bread of life. Jesus will... He prays on our behalf. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus longs for us as a church... The be in fellowship, the be on mission of making the name of Jesus known. When we are faithful in those day-to-day, Jesus will do some radical things. We will see burdens shared, we'll see hardships transformed, and we'll see lives changed. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And while they come back up, I want to make a quick plug. Um, in the seats in front of you, there's a Connect card. It looks like that. It's an opportunity for the fill-up. You can also go to our app on the connect card. What do you need prayer for? Uh, If we don't know you, we'd love to get connected. If you're new, we'd love to get in touch with you. There's an opportunity for you to write what praises you have, what God is doing in your life. Uh, And then just in a moment here, we're also going to do communion. And so Becky and I will be up here, and we'll ask that you just kind of come through. And we're going to serve you as we remember the commitment that Jesus has made to us. The sacrifice that Jesus did was the ultimate And he overcame sin and death. So we're going to take the bread which represents his body and the juice which represents his blood and doing that in remembrance to be in communion with our Lord and Savior Jesus. So with that, let me pray. God, I thank you so much that you desire to be in a relationship with us, that you don't leave us to ourself. That you, Jesus, you know us by name you know us and you love us and you are with us and you are for us. And Jesus, you can relate to what we're going through, that you don't leave us alone, that you continue to pursue and to seek us, And that you long for us to know you and to share your truth and your grace and your love with those around us. Jesus, I pray that we would seek you we would fully commit our hearts and our lives to you and share in the name of Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.